one of the things that the president dealt with in his letter yesterday was the announcement of a triple BEE advisory council. Now, that council is to champion transformation. You'd remember there was an advisory board that existed, and I think two years back their mandate came to an end. So there's been a, a lull of about two years where there hasn't been this council, and um, there's now the reestablishment of a, a new advisory council that will look at transformation of the economy. Now, interestingly, Labour has lambasted this latest move and basically says this is a waste of time. Let me invite onto the show Sizwa Pamla, who speaks on behalf of Kosatu. Mr. Pamla, good morning to you. Thanks for your time this morning. Uh, morning to you and morning to the listeners. Before we get to the issue of this advisory council, just more broadly, have you had an opportunity to take a look at some of the current economic uh, policies that are out for public discussion from um, the, the, the ANC? And, and what do you make of them? Well, we have only just started the process. Mm. Uh, we have set up uh, task teams. Uh, to engage with these uh, papers. We are going to have a special meeting sometime in July, special CC, to give an official response um, after our, all the submissions have come in. So, yeah, so far, we have given these task teams an opportunity to to delve deeply into the arguments and the suggestions and the proposals contained in these papers. And then we will have our own official response. Fair enough. In the meantime, however... There are many South Africans who are of the feeling that we have a government and we have a governing party that is basically fiddling while Rome is burning. Well, uh, it's not just a sentiment. It's a reality in the sense that if you look at the numbers, numbers don't lie. Uh, We're the most unequal country in the world. It means something is not being done, and it has not been done for some time, uh, because there's no reason we should find ourselves in this position. There are countries uh, that have been at war um, the, who have are performing better than we are. I mean, if you look at the unemployment stats, uh, almost 50% of the adult working population is seated at home, with no hope uh, for uh, the job anytime soon. And we talk about young people here who are watching their dreams pass them by. Uh, there are kids who have been at home for close to a decade with no employment, some of them with qualifications. Yes, uh, numbers are depressing. Um, when you hear, for an example, um, uh, a president saying the private sector creates jobs, of course, uh, this, this, this is nothing new. Let's go back to what the NDP said in 2012. That was the same argument. A decade later, the unemployment was uh, 28% in 2012, 25 in fact. Today, uh, they say it's 34%, but the real unemployment is 46%. Now, let's say you have given the private sector this opportunity to create jobs. Now, the question is, which private sector are you talking about? Because you cut corporate tax from 34% in 2012, it is 27% today, which means you have actually reduced uh, tax allowing people to have some money in their pockets and invest it back into the economy. Now, you should be not coming in and, pre- and presenting this case as if it's new. You should say first, we presented this case 10 years ago. This is what we have learned. 
because there has to be lessons. You can't keep presenting something as if it is new when we have been implementing for decades. At some point, you have to go back and say, well, you know what? Maybe our narrow definition of the private sector is a problem because we look at conglomerates, corporations, and say this is our private sector. When we are responding, we respond to their needs. What about the private sector in, 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 in townships? Because there are businesses, private businesses, operating in townships. What kind of assistance uh, can they say they are getting from the budget, for an example? The budget that was in February. Mm. What is it that came out of that budget that was speaking to those people who operate in rural areas and in our township? Or small medium enterprise, for an example. Or individuals who are artisans. Because in South Africa, for an example, in South Africa, for an example, in many economies of our size, 30% of people employ themselves. In South Africa, only 10% of, of people employ themselves. The question is, wh- where are these bottlenecks? And how do we work uh, constructively to remove them so that those people can uh, do what uh, their counterparts around the world are doing? So these are the kinds of conversations we are not hearing uh, coming through. Mr. Pamela, do you think currently that we have the right kind of decisions being made to unlock and to stimulate the country's economy. And and I ask this on a day where petrol prices are expected to increase, rounded off that figure by four rand, you know, to hit at least 25 rand a liter, and, and diesel rounded off by, by three rand a liter. No, no, we don't have. We don't have because, firstly, uh, the issue of, uh, the fact that South Africa imports 90% of, it, of its fuel is, is not new. As Kosatu, uh, five years ago, we said, look, uh, the, 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 the fluctuation of our currency and the, 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 the geopolitics around the world is of such a nature that these are things that we cannot control. But the fact that we import 90% of our fuel, let's have a conversation about how to fix this. One of the proposals we made was let's explore a issue of a, a fuel price cap. And in doing so, let's delve deeper into where does all of this money go? Road accident fund. What is going on with the road accident fund? Why are we not fixing it? Because a lot of this fuel goes into the road accident fund. There are even shows on television where people tell of how much money they received and wasted from the road accident fund. Because we have got law firms whose sole uh, 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 lifeline is actually... Uh, bleeding the road accident fund dry. So we said we need to, at a legislative level, look at the loopholes. At a regulatory level, uh, the Treasury needs to come out with new regulatory frameworks that are going to stop the splitting of the road accident fund. And let's have a conversation also about how do we uh, uh, transform the institution because while it is necessary, it is just not being helpful right now. Now, that was half a decade ago. No one has come out with any suggestion. We still take money from the petrol pumps, hand it over to the road accident fund, lawyers and whoever else, they go, they feast, and uh, we, we were paying a price for that. So mm. there are basic things that we all know that are going wrong, that we're not fixing. And as a result, we come around and complain and make excuses. The reality is some of the basics, if they were sorted out, at least half of the problems will be resolved. We will be dealing with things we can't control, but there are things we can control. Unfortunately, we're not doing anything about it. Mr. Pamla, you have agreed that effectively 
government is is fiddling while Rome is burning. In fact, you said it's not just a perspective, or but it is a reality. It is, a, a, you know, a, an analysis of the state of affairs. You have also said that you don't believe that our leaders right now are making the right kind of decisions that we need to solve the, you know, the problems that we're facing around our economy. Why does Kosatu then still continue to support this very government, to support these very leaders, if in fact you truly believe that they are not geared to solve the problems of the current time that this country finds itself in? Well, Kosatu as an organization is an organization that belongs to workers. So when you go to in front of workers in a Congress, and you present all of the challenges facing the country, you present all of the shortcomings uh, 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 of the ANC and, and this government in particular. The argument we have had so far from workers is never the one that says, oh, this is a lost cause, let's pick up and leave. The argument has always been, no, you guys uh, haven't done enough to help the ANC fix what is wrong and fixing the ANC itself. Many of the people inside COSAT, workers in particular, have been arguing that, well, our responsibility is not to abandon it, is to try and work to fix what is wrong with the ANC and try to help the ANC fix what is wrong with the country. So that is the reason, actually, why COSAT is still part of the alliance, because the mandate coming from the owners of COSAT has never been the one of abandoning the ANC, but is one of working with the ANC to fix the organization itself and fix what is wrong with the country. There are those who believe that it's impossible to fix the ANC, that it's, you know, it's a losing battle. Indeed, yes. Even in Kosatu, uh, there's been those kinds of forces. I mean, you've been witness over the last decade. Uh, there, uh, there were unions that ended up leaving Kosatu, uh, making the same argument, saying, look, we hear your argument that this can still be fixed, but we are not convinced. And in the process, they ended up themselves leaving Kosatu and saying, uh, we don't believe what you guys uh, are still holding on to uh, make sense. So that is uh, the reality that the, all of these conversations we have had and we have dealt with them, but as things stand in terms of numbers, because we, we are an organization that is mandate-driven and we use democratic centralism, uh, where a, a majority, whatever majority endorses, it is what Kosatu adopts. Cesar Pamela will leave it there for this morning. And, of course, he speaks on behalf of Kosatu there. And, yeah, so that's his general response.